my dad was a pastor for 25 years, so I grew up in a pastor's home. And me and my brothers would give my dad a hard time. It was one of the things we really enjoyed to do. And sometimes our timing was what I would call perfect, but probably not what he would have called perfect. He would often have a deacon or a missionary over for dinner, and we'd be sitting around the table, and we'd come up with a good question. You know, the sort of question that has an answer, but you think, really? You just asked that now? One day we were sitting around the table, getting ready to pray, and we're all holding hands because that's what we would do as a family when we'd pray. And right before my dad started praying, I remember asking, I've got a question, Dad, before we pray. All right, what's the question? Why do we thank God before we try the meal? What if it doesn't taste good? <laughs> in perfect form, my younger brother pipes up, or what if mom put poison in it and we drop dead? <laughs> I actually don't remember how my dad handled that question, but I've got an answer for you today. God is good. God is loving. God is faithful. And we can thank God even before we know the outcome. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 136. Psalm 136 is a very strong psalm on God's faithfulness. What we're going to see in this psalm, what I want you to pay attention for, what I want you to look out for, is four characteristics of God, four labels, four identities of God. The first is that God is God of gods. The second that I want you to look for is that God is the compassionate creator. The third thing that you're going to see, and don't worry, you don't have to write all these down right now, we'll get to them, that God is the divine deliverer, and fourth, we're going to see God as the redeeming ruler. So I want you to look out for those as we dig into this psalm. Psalm 136 is what's called an antiphonal psalm. It was probably done as part of the liturgy of the temple, where all of the people would gather before the temple, and somebody would read a line, and the people would repeat. And if you look at the psalm, I'm guessing you'll be able to guess what they would repeat. His faithful love endures forever, or his love endures forever. The term love up here on his love endures forever is the Hebrew term chesed. And that term carries a lot with it. It's the idea of covenant love of faithful love, of mercy, of steadfast, enduring love. It is God's love for his people, and it endures forever. So we're going to do something a little bit different this week. Don't worry, we're not doing this every week. But I'm going to ask you to stand as we read scripture, and instead of me just reading it all, I'm going to read a line, and I'm going to ask you to respond with, his love endures forever. So let's read this together. Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. To him who... Oh, sorry who by his understanding made the heavens. His love endures forever. Who spread out the waters upon the waters. 
his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, his love endures forever. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm, his love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, his love endures forever. And brought Israel through the midst of it, his love endures forever. But swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea, his love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, his love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, his love endures forever. And killed mighty kings, his love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, his love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his love endures forever. And gave their land as an inheritance, his love endures forever. An inheritance to his servant Israel, his love endures forever. He remembered us in our low estate. His love endures forever and freed us from our enemies. His love endures forever. He gives food to every creature. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. Thank you. You may be seated. Father, your love endures forever. And as we dig into this psalm, I pray that you would remind us of that. We've spoken those words 26 times. But in our hearts, remind us that your love endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen. In Psalm 136, we break it up into what I've done as four sections. Because I think that there's four traits four identities of God that we can see in this passage. And so the first identity that we're going to see is that God is the God of gods. This is in verses 1 through 3. God is the God of gods. We praise the highest because his mercy endures forever. One of the things that maybe stands out in your Bible, it depends on how they typeset it, but you may have capital letters capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in verse 1. That's a translation of God's proper, God's formal name. The name in Hebrew of Yahweh. That's the name that God gave himself. And it's got this idea of I am or to be. God's name means to be. We praise God because he is the highest. You see, our God alone is self-existent. He alone has the name that is the verb to be. He is self-existent. No beginning, no end. But in verse 2, there's a different name of God used. We give thanks to the God of gods. Here the phrase used is Elohi Elohim. God of gods. That's the generic term for God. You see, there's much in this world that would set itself as God. 
There's much in this world that we might be inclined to set on the podium of God. But God is higher. And that's what this verse tells us. We give thanks to the God of gods because his love endures forever. The third use, the third name of God is in verse 3. In our NIV, it says, Lord of Lords. The term here that's used is Adonai. Adonai. So I've now taught you three different names of God. And these three names are significant. And don't worry, we're not going to do this throughout the rest of the passage. But you've learned Yahweh, Elohim, and Adonai. Adonai is significant because while Yahweh talks about God as forever existing, and Elohim talks about God as being the God of all gods, everything that would make itself God, Adonai is a word of closeness, of relationship. In fact, no Jew, no rabbi reading the Bible would ever have used the word Yahweh. That word was off-limits. That was God's proper name. You don't risk it, because what if you actually used it in vain? So you would never hear a rabbi use the word Yahweh. They would be reading the Bible, and if they came across the word Yahweh, they would say, Adonai. They had trained themselves that you would never read that word out loud. Because what if you used it in vain? But Adonai talks not about the God that's out there, but rather the God that's right here that has a personal relationship with me. So in verses 1 through 3, we see that we praise the God of gods because his mercy endures forever. Our God alone is self-existent. But our God alone also stands above all other things that would call themselves God. But our God is also a personal God. Our God alone is the personal God that we can have a relationship with. It's really cool. He builds from the great transcendent God of the universe to the personal God. And in all three stanzas, what do we learn? His love endures forever. As I was looking at these verses, I was reminded of C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and the lion Aslan. You see, at one point in the book, Mr. Beaver and Lucy are talking about Aslan. And Lucy asks Mr. Beaver, well, he's a safe lion. And Mr. Beaver, in the, in the text, safe? There's nothing safe about him. He is the king. I believe C.S. Lewis is making a reference to God. He's the highest. He is transcendent. But he's good. Yes, he could wipe us out of existence right now. But he won't. Because he is good. C.S. Lewis goes on to talk about Aslan not being a tame lion. There is nobody that can control him. But he's good. Our God is the God of gods. He is the highest, but his mercy endures forever. So this week, the first thing I want you to do 
is to praise God, to thank God for his mercy, that the highest, the supreme, none other than God, is merciful towards us. We could stop right there, but there's many, many more verses. So let's keep going. In verses 4 through 9, what I see is God is the creator. God is the compassionate creator. So we praise the creator because his steadfast love endures forever. I'll give you all a side note. All of the like steadfast love, mercy, all of those are different words that different versions of the Bible translate for hesed. So depending on your version of the Bible, you'll have different translations, and these are the different words. His steadfast love endures forever. For centuries, millennia, mankind has sought to understand the universe. Just a little piece of it. People devote their lives to understanding a fraction of how this universe works. But look at what we see in verses 4 through 9. We see that God, in verse 5, in his understanding, made the heavens. Not some random chance, but God, in full comprehension of everything that he was doing, made this universe. He is the compassionate creator. We also see, though, that the very things that man depends on, God created and God put in order. I am guessing that the sun is going to rise in the morning. That's my prediction. But you know what? I actually can't guarantee that for you. It, it couldn't. I can guarantee you God's love, though, and lasts forever. God put the seasons in order, the seasons that man learns to depend on, the cycles of nature that we plant our crops on, that we harvest our crops on. We wake up in the morning based on a cycle. Everything that we do is largely based on a cycle. There's a reason that a clock back before, the clock up here still is, was a circle. Okay. It's all based on a cycle because we depend on that, but it's God who put it in place. It is God who set the sun to govern the day. It is God who set the moon and the stars to govern the night. And even though everything may change, God's faithful love will never change. His love is steadfast, and it endures forever. Our world does change. We've seen that in the last 10 days. We've seen that in the last two years. Really, we've seen that in the last century. We live in a world that's changing. And it seems like it's changing at an ever-increasing pace. Have you ever thought about the fact that like a thousand years ago, the world that somebody's parents grew up in was essentially the same world that their grandparents grew up in and the same world that they would grow up in? People lived basically the same way a thousand years ago from generation to generation. Today, I venture that a 10-year-old is going to grow up in a different world than a newborn baby. Because our world seems to change so fast. But God doesn't. His faithful love 
endures forever. The word, theological word that we use to describe this is immutable, unchanging. Our God is immutable. And so this week, in addition to praising God for his mercy, I want you to praise God for his immutability, the fact that he doesn't change. You can depend on him. He is unchanging. Let's look on to verses 10 through 22 in this passage. In verses 10 through 22, what we see is that God is the divine deliverer. We get to praise the God of the Exodus because his loyal love endures forever. God's loyal love endures forever. In verse 10, the writer of Psalms 136 describes it as God struck down the firstborn in Egypt. He's reminding the people, as they are probably at the temple worshiping, of what God did in their past. He struck down the firstborn of Egypt to deliver you. He brought you out from the Egyptians to deliver you. He divided the Red Sea in half so you could walk through to deliver you. And he swept away Pharaoh's army to deliver you. He led you in the wilderness to deliver you. The same God who was loyal to Israel in delivering the people from Egypt is loyal to you. That's what the psalmist is reminding the people of here. He goes on and he talks about victories that were had in the land of Canaan. God struck down great and mighty kings. And then he gets specific events in Israel's history that you could look up in Numbers 21, where God specifically struck down kings for Israel. He showed up in a very real way and gave Israel victories in their past. And so Israel knew, because of the past, that in the present, God was going to be faithful to them. I've been thinking a lot about the history of our church. And it brought up, was brought up again on Wednesday. God has been present in this church. God has worked powerfully in this church. The example that we were talking about on Wednesday is when the church purchased the North property. Many of you were here for that. Some of you weren't. And you might not know that was a stretch. It was a lot of money. And people wondered, are we going to be able to afford this? How are we going to do this? But this is where God's leading us. So they stepped out in faith and made the purchase. And guess what? It's not a surprise. God blessed. And they were able to pay for that property in what was an unbelievably short time. Because people stepped up and God blessed the church and provided the resources. And if we look at the history of this church, what we find is that time and time again, God shows up and blesses. God shows up and provides. And so just like Israel was able to look back at the Exodus and say, that's the same God that brought us out of Egypt, today we can look back and we can say, we worship the same God who has brought this church 
through stages of building, through stages of purchases, through stages of transition. And that same God is with us today. And he's going to take us into this next stage. So today, we need to praise God for what he's done in the past. God's been with us in the past. He's going to be with us today. And he's going to be with us in the future. The fourth thing that I want you to note in this psalm is that God is the redeeming ruler. We praise the Redeemer of heaven because his faithful love endures forever. These verses are really cool. Verse 23 discusses God remembered us in our low estate. For Israel, their low estate was they were slaves in Egypt. It doesn't get much lower than that. Except for us, we're slaves in sin before God. We are enslaved to sin. It's a hard taskmaster. But, look at verse 24. God frees us from our enemies. In Jesus Christ, God takes us in our lowly state of sin, and each of us start off life as sinners, and we continue in sin. God takes us, and through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, he frees us from that lowly state of sin and gives us salvation, gives us freedom from sin, freedom to righteousness, freedom to identify as God's people freedom to be part of God's family. God rescues us from those who oppose us, from our enemies. And the greatest enemy is sin. But, look at verse 25. It would be enough for God to simply save us from sin. But he does so much more. Just like he provided food and safety and provision for Israel, he provides spiritual blessings on each of us today. He doesn't just free us from sin, he frees us to righteousness so that we can behave and act as children of God, not of our own volition, not of our own will, but by the will of God and by the freedom that God gives. He gives food to every creature. He provides for us. Ultimately, what we are left concluding is that we can do nothing else but give thanks to the God of heaven. This week, we need to praise God for salvation. So what do we need to praise God for? We need to praise God for his mercy. We need to praise God for his immutability, the fact that he doesn't change. We need to praise God for his faithfulness, that he has done things for us in the past and will do things for us in the present and in the future. And we need to praise God for salvation. 
Our scripture memory verse of the week, or of the month, is Isaiah 26.3. So we're going to look at Isaiah 26, verse 3. We're going to read it together. Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Isaiah 26.3. God is worthy of our praise. God will keep us because we trust in him. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on in our church. We have a transition. We have a capital campaign. It's okay. God's got this. The God who is faithful to Israel, the God who is faithful to this church in the past, the God who is faithful for thousands of years to his people is going to be faithful to us. And we can trust him. And we can go forward. So what does that mean? We don't know what it's going to look like. It's just like we haven't tasted the food yet. But that doesn't matter. We know in the past God has been faithful. We know he promises to be faithful. So who cares if we haven't tasted the food yet? Let's give thanks to God because we know his love endures forever. So this week, my challenge to you, I want you to pray for the things that are going on. But as you pray, I want you to thank God. As you pray for our transition, I want you to thank God for how it's going to wind up playing out. As you pray for the capital campaign, I want you to thank God for how this is going to turn out. As you pray for each other, for the ailments that various people have, I want you to thank God for how he's going to work. Because God's love endures forever. May we become a church of prayer where thankfulness is central to those prayers. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's my vision for us, is that we become a people of thankfulness, a people of prayer. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his mutability. Thank God for his provision in the past. And thank God for salvation. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for the way that you have provided for us as a church, as individuals, as people who love you, But our love is nothing compared to your faithful love, which endures forever. You tell us that we love because you first loved us. May our love for you, may our praise for you, may our thanks to you reflect your loyal, unchanging, steadfast, merciful love. I pray that as a church, we would come together and praise you. That we would come together and pray. That we would call on the God of the past to work in our hearts, to work in our church, and to guide us as we step out in faith, trusting completely in you. 
We thank you that you're trustworthy. We thank you that you're faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.